1: I'm Taylor Dahl. Today I am joined by Aaron Lemming. You know him. He's the writer for Chicago Bears for 24-7 Sports and right here on Windy City Gridiron. Aaron, thanks so much for hopping on with me. I know you had a little bit of a, a crazy last month, so we've been pushing this a little bit, but I guess perfect timing because camp's a go now.
2: I know, right? Yeah, it has been it's been weirdly busy for me. I think we just dove way too much into a lot of different things. So yeah, no, it's it's definitely good that football's back. Uh, now I just got to trick myself and I'm sure you can relate to this being in Jacksonville. Uh, you know, I just got to trick myself into believing that winter is somehow around the corner, even though it's <laughs> still going to be a hundred degrees here in Texas for the next two months. So oh,
1: yeah. uh, I agree completely. It is about, it's been the feels like around like one Oh five here for the last two weeks. I currently have my like Coca-Cola icy because it was so hot outside today. I was like, I need something to cool me down. So I completely get it. We it, it's definitely different vibes when you, Are in the you feel like you're going into like fall football season, but not quite yet for us. Um, But (laughs) speaking of the vibes, because Aaron, I think the the vibes around the Chicago Bears camp this season are just so much. So much different than they've been recently, and even to last year, because I, I tweeted about it. And I was just, last season, it was just Roquan drama and Tevin Jenkins. What was going on with him? And then we had a, f- a couple arrests that had happened, so that was lingering into like, hey, like what is Ryan Poles doing, and what's going on with, the, with this team? And oh, wait, there was a lot of injuries kind of going on. Your biggest off season signings were guys like Equinemius and Byron Pringle. So there was just so the, the vibe last year was just so much different than what it feels like right now.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. First of all, elite choice on the Coke I That is one of my <laughs> favorites. I usually get those a few times a week too. So no, I, I, I hear you there. But yeah, I think I think as a whole, I mean you're just talking about a completely different vibe around this team, right? I mean you're you're talking about going into year two of the rebuild. Uh you know, they had a lot of money this off season. They had a lot of resources as a whole within the draft, obviously trading away number one overall. That was still absolutely shocking that they were able to you know land number one overall and then you know make the move that they did but yeah I think you just when, when you look at this roster right I mean you, you pointed it out you talked about last year in terms of their free agent additions Lucas Patrick and Byron Pringle were <laughs> <they're> two <laughs> yeah. big free agent signings you know it's like I mean neither one of those guys did much of anything and you know so it's kind of one of those things where I think you're looking at it this year and all of a sudden it's like yeah they still have holes but I think Between what they've added on the roster, um, between free agency and the draft, the amount of resources that they still have this year um, and next year. And then I think when you look at the division, too, I think the entire landscape of the division changes when Aaron Rodgers leaves. And then all of a sudden, Minnesota is going through this like weird retool on the fly thing after winning, uh, you know, was the 13 games last year. So. Mm You know, it, it just feels like things are wide open. Now, obviously, I don't think the Bears are going to be contending for a Super Bowl by any, by any means this year. But I think when you, when you look at the overall division, the NFC as a whole, I don't think there's really that many good teams in NFC. And then you look at the Bears, it's like they had a lot of close games last year. I mean, there were some mm-hmm. painful, painful games to watch and painful endings. But I think when you when you look at things as a whole last season, yeah, they won three games, but they could have very easily won six, and I don't think anybody would have blinked an eye. So, you know, you transfer that over to this year with a weaker division, a weaker NFC, and a better Bears roster, and it's it's hard not to feel at least somewhat optimistic about the future, even if it doesn't lead to playoffs or Super Bowl this year.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think that everybody knows the the main thing everybody is going to be looking at this season is Justin Fields, and if he really does make that that next leap that a lot of people are expecting him to. This week, obviously, the big news around that was – that he was ranked 10 spots ahead of Trevor Lawrence. And me being here in Jacksonville, people were losing their minds here (laughs) that that happened. And I I kind of had, we had a little glimpse because that video got posted last week or whatever it was, where it was Nick Bosa just talking about Justin Fields. And when he wasn't in that top 10, I was like, oh no, I'm going to get hell over this in Jacksonville because I know everybody's going to think it's absolutely insane. But I think there's a lot of reasons. And this is an NFL player voted thing. So it's not like it, it... there's some weird ones that we see every th- every year, but I do think that these players, Justin Fields, stuck in their head. They they went and they were making he was making them run in circles and fall over each other and trip, and they he, they couldn't get him down, they couldn't tackle him, and so that stuck. And then they were, after the the game, they were going to watch film, and their coach was like look at you, you're falling on the floor chasing this quarterback. And people really realized how just fast Justin Fields was and how athletic he was. And that was a lot of the things that they mentioned. So to me, it wasn't totally surprising that some of the players, that those moments stuck out more to them. Um, Do I think at this point in time that Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback, a better passing quarterback in this moment? I personally do, and I've watched. I'm one of the few that have probably watched every single Jags game and every single Bears game this last a uh, couple seasons so it's weird to me it's just also just such an odd comparison Aaron because it's they're very different quarterbacks in general they also were given very different things this last offseason Trevor was given everything to succeed and Justin just wasn't so players are noticing though and that's one thing that we have never had here is pl- other players and national media noticing our quarterback in this way
2: well, I, you know, I think that's a great point, right? Because, I mean, all you got to do is go back to, uh, the Trubisky era where it was like anytime it seemed like fans are feeling good about his progression, especially in 2018 in year two, you know, you had players basically making these comments like, if we can just make him play quarterback, then he can't beat us. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, now you've got, you know, a player's voted list. And I'll, I'll be the first to say, I, I think it's absolutely asinine that, uh, he's, <laughs> he was, he was somehow rated over Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Let's just be honest. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was awesome last year. I mean, you, you watched him. I mean, he was clearly a top-ten quarterback, and I think that that whole transcendent talent, that generational talent that everybody talked about coming out of Clemson finally came to fruition after that first, like, six games of the year last year, right? Yeah. So, but and it's, and it's not even a knock on Justin Fields because I think Justin Fields brings a level of value to the quarterback position that only one or two guys uh, you know, else in the league can do. I think that's obviously because of his legs. I mean, you pretty much have Lamar Jackson and, and Jalen Hurts are the other two guys. I guess you could probably throw Josh Allen in that a little bit, although mm-hmm. he hasn't been running as much lately. But, I mean, that offers a whole nother level. But I think, you know, obviously, having watched Justin Fields last year and, you know, the last two years really, the development as a passer has to come to fruition this year. And mm-hmm. like you pointed out, you know, the, the biggest difference between year two between the two quarterbacks outside of the play, but when you're just looking at everything else, between fields and, and lawrence was the fact that you know lawrence had basically the bears uh this off season. he had that last off season, yeah. you know with jacksonville where they went out they spent a ton of money on a ton of guys they had high draft picks they were able to go out they were able to fix the offensive line they were able to add multiple weapons uh the christian kirk contract was somewhat laughable at the time i mean he ended up being a pretty pretty good move at least for that one year for them um so I think now you're looking at that in year three with Justin Fields. You're like, okay, this is the first time since Ohio State that he's been in the, the same offense for, you know, more than a year at a time, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got to look at, you know, the improvements that they made on the offensive line. And then you just look at the improvements that they made, obviously, uh, at receiver and the more depth that they have as, as far as pass catchers. And it's like, okay, you know, you're finally at a point barring some catastrophic injury or some catastrophic, catastrophic event that maybe we're not really thinking of. Where this is this is the proving year. This is the year where Justin Fields needs to become a threat, not just as a runner, but as a passer. Because I'm sure you watched the video too, but that was the thing. Is if you noticed it within the top 100 when they're talking about him, everybody was talking about his ability to make plays with his legs. Now, Mm -hmm. obviously, some people did talk about his throwing, but that's where you know that that's basically what separates him from being the Jalen Hurts or the Lamar Jackson from the Justin Fields, where he needs to get better at throwing the ball. They need to be able to be more efficient passing the ball as a whole. They need to be better uh, pass blocking, all that fun stuff. But now they finally have the pieces there. So I think that this is where it becomes a true prove-it season. And we talked about this last year. I mean, I, I remember jumping on with with uh, you, and I, I can't even remember who the other yeah. There was another guy with you. I can't yeah. remember. There we go, Dylan. And and I remember, you know, we're talking about it, and, you know, I, I wasn't overly optimistic on, on, on the Bears. You know, I didn't think they were going to, you know, just win three games. But I think when you looked at what they had last year, it was easy to see, like, dude, Byron Pringle is your number two receiver. <laughs> like, you're talking about Darnell Mooney and Byron Pringle as your one and two receivers. And it's like, I don't care how high you were going, you know, going into last year on Darnell Mooney. That's a terrible receiving court, yeah, right? Yeah. And then it you look at the would've... offensive line. So.
1: Sorry, it, it would have it would have taken Justin Fields to have a Patrick Mahomes year to turn the, the receivers into a top one in the league last year.
2: Exactly. So it's just when you when you look at the vast difference, right? I mean, we're not going to, you know, we're not even talking about the defense right now. When you're just talking about the offense, you look at the vast difference in support staff around him. Like I said, outside of him losing a bunch of these guys in preseason or early on in the season. That's what I'm saying. I don't think there's any excuses. He's either going to be the guy or he's not going to be the guy. And, you know, I I think that Bears fans should be excited about that because we know he has the ability. He hasn't shown a ton as a passer, but what he has shown as a passer – it's one of those like there's only, you know, five to ten guys in the league that can make the kind of throws that he makes. I mean, he's got the arm talent. He's got the athleticism. Uh, he's a really sharp dude. He's really smart. So it's like all the tools are there now. It's mm-hmm. just about, you know, piecing it all together and, and making him the quarterback that everybody's hoping him that he could be.
1: Yeah, Aaron. And one thing before I go on to probably the other biggest topic that had happened this week is the one thing I point to here. Uh, when a lot of people try to compare. And you mentioned it yourself. Trevor Lawrence last season, it was about halfway through the season when you, re- when everyone here really was like, okay, now he's playing well. They went on a five-game losing streak and it was not looking good. The Jags were not in it. Trevor, people were starting to worry about Trevor Lawrence a little bit because his completion percentage was in like mid-50s most of the time. He was fumbling a ton. He was throwing interceptions. It did not look good. But a, a flip switched in the middle of the season and things started to click for a lot of, the, a lot of people. And that's kind of what what... what I point to here is Justin Fields is nine games behind Trevor Lawrence because he did not start his rookie season like Trevor did. And he also obviously missed two games last year. And so when you do the comparison of those first, so Justin Fields has started 25 football games. When you go back to that – first 25 for Trevor the numbers are very very similar and so I think for for me personally just because I've seen just so many comparisons and the progression and the way that the the way the off seasons have lined up between the Jags and the Bears about half probably around like week six seven eight this year I'm going to be heavily like okay i if these numbers aren't starting to match up for me, I'll have, I'll start to have a little bit of a concern. Not saying a freak out moment, but for me, I'm going to have, it's going to take a little bit for me to start getting like, okay, this, I'm worried or okay, I believe this is the guy just because those comparisons are just so close. But let's go ahead and move on to, um, obviously Cole Komet. That's the big news uh, of the day. He gets an extension, first of the Ryan Poles era. Uh, Poles didn't draft Cole Komet. So it really shows their feelings towards him and what Cole Komet was able to do last season obviously um one of the be- the better run blocking tight ends in the league and everybody started talking about that heavily later in the year uh just 544 yards but he did have seven touchdowns up from two and zero the previous two years um so what's your thoughts on that contract and thoughts on what the tight end room will look like with the addition of robert tunyan also
2: well, I think the, the initial reaction from a lot of fans are like, they paid him twelve and a half million dollars a year for what? And it's like, you know, I think you have to really look at the, the tight end market to understand, you know, why they paid him what he did. And I think the other thing too to keep in mind is that he's really young. Like he's still, a, he's a really young fourth year guy in this league. So, I mean, you're talking about a dude that has been durable. Has been, you know, like you said, he's he's definitely improved as a blocker. I, there, are, I think the big thing with me with Komet, is like there are moments where you're like, okay, this guy can be really good, and then there are other moments when you're like, you're sitting there watching him play, and it's just like, what are you doing? So <laughs> I, I think that there's just a level that he has to get past some of the boneheaded mistakes and some of the plays that you should be making. And I think one of the big things is you talk about those seven touchdowns last year, right? He needs to be better in the red zone as a whole, right? Yeah. He, needs to be, he needs to be that Jimmy Graham type of player where they get down in the red zone and he's that dude. That he's, the, he's the guy that they want to go to, and I think that that's one of the big things. But, again, I mean, you're talking about a player that's still super young. He's going into year four. He's a big staple in terms of the culture, in terms of what they want uh, on this team. And I think it's noteworthy, especially considering, like you pointed out, Uh, this regime did not draft him. So they could have very easily, like they did with David Montgomery and and Roquan Smith and some of these other guys, they could have very easily said, Hey, you know, you've been good. It's, it's been fun, but we're going to go ahead and let you walk and we're going to go ahead and do our own thing. They could have very easily have taken a tight end in this, this last class, which is a really good class, at least on paper. So they didn't do any of that. And I think that speaks volumes. And, you know, obviously his, his relationship with Justin Fields is also definitely a plus to have in there, but. You know, I I think more than anything, this is kind of one of those, like some people are going to look at it and, you know, see the the 500 plus yards from last year and see that he's never really been like a super productive receiving tight end. And they're going to wonder, well, what the heck's going on? But again, this is all about projection. You're not paying a guy for what they've done. You're paying a guy for what you believe that they're going to do. And what better way to do that than to, you know, re-sign or extend a guy um you know that is still super young and still has you know a a quality ceiling he's not going to be travis kelsey he's not going to be an elite tight end but at the same time and we've seen it for years with the bears too is it's really hard to find even a good tight end so i think that it makes all the sense in the world i think it also when you're looking at the bears uh you know the the cash floor that they have to meet by uh the, the end of this uh you know the end of this actual uh you know like calendar season Uh, which basically ranges, I think it's until like mid-March, whatever next year. They had $25 million to spend or somewhere thereabouts, um, before this extension. Uh, this will take care of about 10 million of that, which means they got about 15 million left that they need to spend, um, towards, you know, this season. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it definitely helps out. I don't think we're done seeing extensions. I, you know, obviously there are a few other names. I think Darnell Mooney probably makes the most sense, but they have to get creative in, in terms of, you know, spending money. But I think it's also one of those things where, you know, when you look at this from the business side, you know, Ryan Poles did let a few guys walk that were big in the locker room that a lot of people respected that were good players. Mm-hmm. And I think that going, you know, going into this saying, hey, we're going to extend you, you know, we, we, you weren't a guy that we drafted, but we're going to extend you anyway, I think sends a much better message to the locker room. And I think it should make some of these other guys that are ready for extensions are going to be ready for extensions over the next year or two feel much more confident that they're going to be valued and that they are going to be kept around.
1: Yeah, and I feel I feel a little bad for Cole Komet because when you look at it, and you said entering his fourth season, and he's also on the fourth starting quarterback in that time because it's been Mitchell, Nick, Dal- Andy Dalton, and now Justin Fields. So he's had a, a, an array of things going on around him, too, that probably affected some of the stuff that – some of the production that could have happened, but – uh it, it is the tight end position so weird when you look at where that contract does line up with other contracts in the league. It's right there to where where I personally believe it should be. I think most people just want to see the that they want to see their tight end be a play a bigger part, but that's not the case on every football team so it'll be interesting this year too, Aaron, to how much we even see with the addition of DJ Moore, and now you you know we're talking how much this re- this receiver room we're expecting it to improve with DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney kind of going back to that wide receiver too, which we saw him thrive in, and then Chase Claypool behind that. Um, a lot of people are talking about Tyler Scott. I was seeing stuff today just by how fast the kid is, and so there's some there's some competition in there, um, in the wide receiver room, and that could potentially affect how much some of these tight ends are getting the ball and that's when you really want to see Cole commit in the end zone like you mentioned Uh, let's get to some of the other position groups in camp because obviously camp started today and we talked about the vibes we talked about all of the good things going on Uh, so which position group are you most confident in
2: and yeah, most confident. I honestly say receivers at this point. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I think when you're talking about, you know, like the addition of DJ Moore was kind of a twofold thing, right? Because you're looking at, obviously, you're adding a true number one receiver into the mix, but you're also pushing everybody down the depth chart, right? So all of a sudden, you're not relying on Darnell Mooney or Chase Claypool to be that number one receiver that, you know, at points everybody would just kind of expected them to be. But then you're also looking at the rest of the depth. You know, you're gone are the days of seeing economia St. Brown and, and Dante Pettis out there on the field dropping <laughs> balls or running terrible routes, mainly EQ St. Brown when I say that. You know, and it's just one of those things where all of a sudden the entire – expectation of that group goes up you you know you just pointed out tyler scott is that guy that i think is going to take a little bit of time to develop i mean he was my absolute favorite draft pick. i had him as a as a third round player i was pounding the table for him in the third round i was shocked when they got him as late as they did but you know, the big thing with a guy like Tyler Scott is going to be the fact that he is a converted running back. So it's going to take him a little bit of time to get better as a route runner. I do think he, that he is better of a route runner than some people give him credit for. But again, there's a big difference between doing that in wide open offenses like he did in Cincinnati versus being in the NFL and having to be more precise. Mm-hmm. But I think really the big thing for a guy like Tyler Scott is going to be his hands. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. even today, you know, some of the some of the practice reports talking about him double clutching, you know, catches and Dropping balls and stuff like that. Like, that's the kind of thing that's going to have to get cleaned up. But again, is your fourth receiver your fifth option? You know, the same thing with Valus Jones Jr. And then all of a sudden, you know, you you put those two guys in the mix, and all of a sudden you've got EQ St. Brown and Dante Pettis who are fighting out for that last spot. And I think that that's a much better position to be in. And while I was a firm believer that the offensive line was the bigger of the two issues. I do think that you know you get a solid offensive line, just an average offensive line in front of Justin Fields. You get receivers who can actually get open that actually fit this scheme to where they can actually motion guys and not be last in the league in that department. I think that that's going to change a whole lot. So I think for the first time in quite a while, they actually have some upside in the receiver room. And it's not just the three main names, but like you said, you have a guy like Tyler Scott, you have a guy like Bayless Jones Jr., who is going into year two. And even though he was a reach last year, there's still some value to be had in that. I think mm-hmm. this can be a really fun offense with all that speed.
1: Yeah, I think we're all hoping so. <laughs> we're all hoping that everything kind of clicks. Uh so looking on the opposite side of the ball, coach Eberflew spoke yesterday and he they were asking him about the defensive scheme and you know how he's kind of working on adjusting that because obviously a lot of the things we saw last year were virtually no pressures, no sacks. Uh the run, against the run, they were terrible. Uh so there was just a lot of bad pieces of that defense up front last season Um, so he talked about little things like sending second level guys up after the quarterback and also moving pass rushers inside one of the things that stuck out to me with that is because the one of the signings they did make this offseason was demarcus walker demarcus walker had seven sacks last season all seven sacks were from the inside at that three tech position so it's interesting to me because i think they're going to be using him uh, as an end but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them shift him inside to just try to get to the quarterback when there are certain matchups they believe he can win. But there's still questions on that line, Aaron. And so I think for me, that's, the, that's still kind of the, mo- the most concerning part of what this team looks like at the moment. Would you agree with that?
2: Oh, absolutely, 100%. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt looking at this entire roster, right? I mean, whether you want to break it into defensive ends and defensive tackles or just a defensive line as a whole – that's the weak spot on the team. I mean, look at linebacker uh, look at, you know, they have one of the better linebacking cores, at least on paper in the league right now, you look at their secondary, there's a ton, ton of upside in that group. A lot of those guys are super young too, but then you look at the defensive line and, and I know a lot of people point to, they say, well, you know, uh, Matt Averford has never really had that elite uh, edge rusher. And so, yeah, he hasn't, but at the same time, he also had a lot better of an interior defensive line when he was in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. you know, obviously with the Buckner. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough situation because I think it all starts in the middle for them. And like you pointed out, Demarcus Walker is somebody who definitely, you know, I, it feels like he's being, if we're being completely honest, it feels like his signing was a little overhyped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that he's going to be a solid player, but I think you're kind of looking at him more as like a rotational, like a, you know, the, the first guy off the bench, like a third defensive end that could slot inside. Um, versus, I mean, right now he's, at least on paper, he's their best edge rusher. And that's,
1: to a me, that's scary. concerning because <laughs> yeah. I think,
2: exactly. Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, okay, kick him in on, you know, kick him in, um, you know, on third down or pass rushing situations. And what does that leave you with outside? It doesn't mm-hmm. leave you with a whole lot. And So that would definitely be my bigger concern. I, you know, there's there's got to be some optimism, um, obviously inside because you have Javon Dexter and and Zach Pickens and Andrew Billings is no slouch by any means, and we'll 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 see with Justin Jones. I I wasn't overly impressed with him last year, but at least there's some upside there and there's there's some unknowns. Um, But yeah, I think that you know, edge rusher and it's tough because you know, a a lot of people, you can be critical of the off season because they had a lot of money and they didn't spend, I mean, they spent a good amount of money, but they didn't spend a ton of money. They didn't do what the Jaguars did last year, right? They didn't do it at least to that extent where they were just like, Hey, we're going to sign like nine dudes to multi-year deals. They Uh didn't go out and do that. But when you look at the market, I mean, this is, Historically speaking, this is one of the worst free agent classes that we've seen in quite a while, and it's a tough situation when you say, okay, well, you know, they should have drafted or they should have signed an edge rusher. Well, the majority of the top edge rushers that were in free agency back in March are still on the market, so that's definitely something to keep in mind, and two, you know, in the draft, the Bears were they, they were in a spot where it's like you either take an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman at number nine. And then there's a long wait all the way to where the, the uh, Dexter was. So it's yeah. like things just didn't fall their way. And unfortunately, when you have as many holes as they do, you're just not going to fix everything. I think yeah. really the Bears should be looking for a stopgap option uh, on the edge. And then again, like I said, they're going to have a ton of money next year. They have two first round picks, and you know, a second round pick, probably going to end up having two third round picks with uh I would guess that Ian Cunningham is going to end up getting a GM job. So they're going to have a lot more resources again next year. But I think it's one of those you just – Put a stopgap there. You try to figure it out, at least for the time being, because like you yeah. pointed out, they, they've got to get after the quarterback. If, if those those NASCAR packages that they do when they kick an extra defensive end inside at three tech, mm-hmm. that only matters if you have three guys that are worth fielding out yes. there as, as defensive ends. If okay. you don't, it doesn't really much matter.
1: Yeah, and, and that's what's interesting because one name, honestly, I haven't even looked a ton into yet because I do feel like I've talked a decent amount about DeMarcus Walker. I was just way more familiar with him, obviously him coming from the AFC South. Uh, Rasheem Green was another name they another name they added. Nobody that like he doesn't like super pop out. I think he had six and a half sacks a couple years ago. Only three and a half last season with Seattle. So that's a they did little like you said, kind of more of like band aid patches, hoping that just with being able to have fresh legs out there, maybe they can uh, they can add a little something and then hoping. Dominique Robinson and Travis Gibson can get back to little glimpses that we saw, but I, I just I'm not expecting anything spectacular. I would just like to see a little something because I would like to really be able to see the secondary shine, and I, I'm the secondary is probably one of my favorite positions because. I mean, one of my position favorite position groups, just because I am fully expecting Jaquan to just go absolutely ham this season. We heard Eddie Jackson talking about how he is going; he wants to have the best season of his career. Kyler Gordon, we're expecting that step up for him, and um, in, in that group, and Jalen Johnson's in a contract season, so it could be really, really fun to watch the secondary. But they do need a little help up front, which is that's the scary part.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh it's going to be tough because you know i think when you're looking at that back seven man i mean there's a lot there is a lot of upside in that group mm-hmm. and there's, there's a lot of youth in that group too it's crazy it's like you know you talk about edmonds and it's like edmonds is is going into a sixth year in the league and then, and then he's what 24 25 years yeah, old like it's it's, so I guess he's 25 now so yeah it's like you know so there there's a lot of upside there and again you know like like we talked about it's they've never, Matt Eberflus's defenses have never really relied on having a ton of elite talent up front. But the problem is, is as of right now, they have nothing and they have a lot of unproven players. And that's not to say that some of these guys can't develop or won't develop. But I think if you're looking at one real big red flag on this, on this roster right now, that could definitely use some attention, even if it's like a one year veteran deal or whatever, it's definitely the defensive line. But the good news is, as we've seen over the last, what, five, seven years, is if you have a really good offense in this league, the defense doesn't matter nearly as much. And, yeah. again, we're, I don't think anybody's expecting a Super Bowl you know, championship this year. I think if, if they can flirt with the playoffs and possibly get in the playoffs, even if they were to lose the first round, I think you can consider that a huge win considering they were picking number one overall. Oh, yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, and I didn't even think about the ages of just the linebacker group and secondary in general because, like you said, Tremaine 25 – TJ Edwards, 26. Jack Samborn, 22. And then we just talked about uh, Jaquan and Kyler both uh, in their second seasons. Obviously, Jalen just finishing up his rookie contracts so with Tyreek Stevenson. They just added also to that secondary. So it is super young out there, which is it's fun. It, you love having those guys that hopefully— Moving forward, we're looking at team. We're looking at some re-signings because the Bears are have. I want it was like bottom three fewest second contracts of guys that they they've drafted in the past like 10, 15 years or something like that. And so you would hope that that starts to shift because usually that that is adjacent to winning product. Uh, but so we talked a little bit about the defense. We talked about that secondary. Um, Obviously, the offensive line is another, like you said, one of the biggest concerns coming into the offseason. They add Nate Davis, one of the guys that – not everybody was shouting for when it happened I I like Nate Davis it wasn't one of the ones that, that McGlinchey or one of those guys that people really wanted but it it's definitely an improvement then Darnell Wright signing they're moving Tevin we're seeing a ton of love for Tevin Jenkins this offseason when, when I'm seeing rankings Tevin is in a lot of them which is interesting to me I loved how Tevin looked last year when he was on the football field uh, but he's moving positions again for the third time so that to me is going to be intriguing but I am confident he'll be able to do it because because so far he's been able to pretty much do whatever they ask him to and then year 2 Braxton so we're we're expecting an improvement for the offensive line but how much do you think it how much different do you think we will see this season
0: Support for this episode comes from Viator Sure a good souvenir is always fun but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling when you get back home that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last
2: Well, I think it's definitely going to be different. Obviously, I mean, there they, you got four guys starting at different positions this year. You know, obviously two new names and then two names from last year with Cody Whitehair and, and Tevin Jenkins. But I, I think the big thing for me, and you know, is, is going to be looking at this this group and how fast can they meld, right? Because. Mm-hmm. The the product that we see in week one, you know, assuming everybody stays healthy, which is a huge assumption considering it's the offensive line, but just assume that everybody stays healthy week one through week 18, they play all 17 games like the product that we see in week one with this group versus the product that we see in week 18 is probably going to be drastically different. And I think the biggest thing especially early on like you talked about earlier where you know you're, you're talking about Justin Fields is basically 7 games behind Trevor Lawrence so you'd like to see him start off the season strong but I think one of the big you know factors behind that is going to be how well the offensive line plays and I think that that's kind of my my biggest I don't know if I say concern but it's definitely something that I that has been at the forefront of my mind when you're when you're thinking about this offense is you know it's like I have a lot of confidence that by the end of the year that this is the one to be a group that's looked up you know looked at as probably you know one of the up and up groups I'd say if they're ranked like I said you know anywhere from like fifteenth to seventeenth overall um just in overall metrics, and I think that's a really good improvement. but what does this unit look like week one and that's that's kind of my big thing because if they come out struggling out of the gate and this looks like it did last year. It worries me a little bit with Justin Fields too, because it's like, yeah, he's going to have better receivers, but if he doesn't have time to get rid of the ball, you're talking about developing more bad habits instead yeah. of reversing some of the bad habits that he's had over the last few years. So, I do like the long-term outlook of this 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 group. Um, I do like how that you know I I do feel pretty confident that they're going to look uh, you know at least manageable by the end of the year. But I think you know as a whole, especially early on in the year it's going to be interesting to see how well they can meld right out of the gate. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's, you're talking about basically a, you know, a second year guy, you're talking about a rookie, uh, you know, a, and a rookie at the tackle positions. And then you're talking about two out of the, you know, two out of the three guys on the offensive line that are going to be playing out of play. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely kind of a, kind of a new thing and just kind of have to hope it all melds together.
1: Yeah. The last thing I want, Aaron is to start this season against the Packers and Jordan Love just like beating up on us like that is just not what we want to happen in (laughs) Chicago Um, but it's funny too because in my head I'm also like if we beat that like I feel like the Bears should beat the Packers this uh, for that first week of the season. And if they do, though, all we're going to hear is like, well, it, you know, like it was Jordan Loves. It was only his second star and this and this and this. So I feel like we're still not going to really hear that love until maybe they do it three, four, five weeks in. And that's just going to be the case right now for the Bears because of just how – crazy things looked last season at certain points and I I think some people just aren't too confident in the improvements that they have made. A a couple more for you before I let you go. Another big change this offseason the run, uh, the run game in general. We have lost David Montgomery. I, I think some people were upset. Some were more like, "It's okay. We kind of were expecting that to happen. It was something that was talked about for before the season even ended." Uh, obviously, Cleo, Har- Cleo Herbert back, but two new additions: uh, Deonta Foreman, who filled in some major shoes for Christian McCaffrey last season and had a really good, t- a really good season in the in the time that he was in when he came in to replace him, and then obviously drafted Roshon Johnson out of Texas, who people say arguably would. Be a starting running back in most other colleges last season, but because he was behind Bijan, it it wasn't the case. Uh, so, what are you expecting from those three this year?
2: Well, it's it's definitely to me, and I know I'm not gonna you know make a lot of people happy by saying this. I, I think one of the smartest things they did this off season was move on from David Montgomery. I think David Montgomery is a solid running back. Sit. He's a solid running back. Mm -hmm. Solid running backs in the NFL are easy to replace. And I think if you go back and you look at his expected yards per carry over what he actually had, I mean, he was one of the least efficient running backs in the league over the last two years. And he had his strengths, but he also had a lot of weaknesses. And I think when you look at the blocking scheme and what the Bears are trying to do offensively, I think that what they have now makes a lot more sense. And I think that, you know, with a guy like Cleo Herbert, the big thing is with him, he's the most explosive runner that they have on the team. I think he's the most talented runner that they have on the team. Can he pass block and can he catch the ball out of the backfield? Those are the two big things. The yeah. pass blocking is going to be huge, you know? And then you talk about Deontay Foreman, um, you know, and, and the last two years, man, he stepped in for two of the better running backs in the league. Yeah. You know, When you talk about Tennessee with Derrick Henry, and then obviously last year in Carolina with uh you know, with McCaffrey. And I mean, he, he did really well, but again, you know, he's running backs are so hot and cold and he has a very similar skill set to a guy like Rotron Johnson. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be, that's going to be kind of another one of those things. We just talked about the offensive line and how that's going to shake out how, how different things could look week one versus what they could look like in week 18. And I think we could see something very similar with this running back group where, there's a very good chance that Khalil Herbert. I mean, we're talking about a committee at this point. And you're not going to have a you know a, a number one running back, and then the number two is going to get 15% of the touches. I mean, we're talking probably like a oh, 60-40 share at this point. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those things where I think because of the skill sets, uh, especially how similar the skill sets are between Deontay Foreman and Roshan Johnson, I think you're you're, you're basically talking about it's either going to be one or the other, right? And I think that at the beginning of the season, and this is just usually how it goes is you're probably going to see Khalil Harbert and it'll be Deontay Foreman. I think as the season goes on, kind of like Jordan Howard a few years ago. I don't know if yeah. you remember that when uh he sat, I think he basically sat on the bench for like the first four or five games of the season uh, when they had Jeremy Langford, and a few yeah. other guys. And as soon as he got a shot, he took off. And I think that it's, I, I think you're probably looking at a very similar situation to that. Um So it's going to be interesting but like i said i like their group because even a guy like travis homer where you know he's probably going to be the, the the fourth running back there but i think he makes sense for the bears because one he's really good uh on special teams um and then two he's also a really good third down back and catch the ball out of the backfield he's a good mm-hmm. pass blocker that's another thing that a guy like deontay foreman has going for him and why he'll probably get snaps over roshan johnson early in the year so they have a very well versed backfield and I think the most important thing and this has been a hot topic with, you know, Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs and all the other running backs looking to get paid is, is the Bears have a very smart financially speaking, uh, you know, backfield right now where they're basically paying these guys to combine like, you know, five million dollars, you know, for, yeah. for all these names or when they can kind of mix and match and figure things out. So, I think you kind of like where they're at. Um, you know, again, I mean, they're going to rely pretty heavily on the run game, but I feel like last year those those run numbers were a little skewed because people look at it like, oh, they averaged 177 yards a game on the ground. Well, when you take Justin Fields' uh, yardage out of that, it, it was a very ordinary running attack. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely think that they need to get better there, and I think the fits are much more key than just the names are.
1: Yeah, and it was an, I had Adam Rank on a couple of weeks ago and he pointed out something that I didn't even realize that there was 5 games last season where the Bears had su- a, an individual rush for over 100 yards and 3 of those were Justin Fields and one from Herbert and one from Montgomery. So that that stat stuck out in my head big time because it was we were seeing all these big these big games of wow, they had, you know, X amount of rushing yards, but Justin Fields held a whole lot of those, which for most uh, for most teams, that's not the that's not the case. They're running back. I mean, their quarterback being able to do that. Um, so really quick, because I want to jump back to this. I forgot to mention it. You and I chatted a little bit uh, off this podcast and then now we mentioned it on the podcast about the defensive line. And Ibra and Ryan Poles were not very vocal about being wanting to add an edge. Uh, they both were kind of like we don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, two of the names linked to the Bears as possibilities are Yannick Ngakwe and now today Justin Houston's name has been kind of floating around. Uh, are, do either of those tickle your fancy at all?
2: Yeah, I think Justin Houston more than Yannick Ngakwe at this point. I think mm-hmm. Ngakwe, you know, kind of like we talked about, you know, before this podcast. I mean, and you, you feel the same way. I mean, you you watched him in, in Jacksonville. He's a one trick pony. He's a, he's a pass rusher, only kind of guy. Um, he's terrible against the run. There's not a whole lot else that he does. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's maybe going to be on the field 50% of the time. And there's going to be, you know, part of those snaps where he's going to be a liability on the field against the run. So I think with a guy like Justin Houston, yes, he is 34 years old, but I think when you look at what you're, cause here's the thing, when you, when you're looking at anything that you can add right now, it's going to be a, it's going to be a one year fix it. Right. So yeah. I would rather have the more productive the more well-rounded player and a guy like Justin Houston who had nine and a half sacks could actually defend the run. Um, then a guy like in uh, So we'll see. I, here's the thing. I, the bears have played at Coy. Um, you know, Ryan Poles talked yesterday and basically said, you know, they're, they're looking forward to seeing what they can get out of their guys, but then kind of left the door open saying, you know, well, you know, if, if the right, if the right deal comes along or whatever, you know, we'll make it happen. Here's, here's the reality, right? You've got a lot of these names that are still sitting out of the market. Like I said, these are guys that probably could have and should have signed back in March. Mm-hmm. They didn't do so. And they're still sitting on the market. And they're probably asking for similar money, which is why they're still sitting on the market. The bears, even with a Colcomet extension, are probably going to be sitting right around 29 $30 million, right? Because it, uh, there's only like a, like a 2.7 million bump up um this year from what he was getting anyway they have the most money in the league they can they can sign anybody they want I know a lot of people are saying well why not both why not both because it's not fantasy football and that's not the way this works (laughs) they've already got we've already talked about it they've got four names even if they're not great names they still got four names that they they're they're going to be counting on this year so I do think something gets done. I do think something gets done sooner rather than later. I think eventually the price tags on these guys are going to have to come down. Um, but you know, it's just they, they've got to make a move and it doesn't have to be with, with a long term, uh, view. Um, but they, they've definitely got to bring somebody in this year that can get after the quarterback a little bit because you can't have your leading sacker being uh, a linebacker and or a safety again this year. That just can't yeah. happen.
1: Yeah. I think that Jaquan would like to see that, but everybody else <laughs> would like to see somebody <laughs> else getting after the quarterback. Final one uh, for you, Aaron, before I let you go. So are there any guys right now at this point as we're entering camp that you think may surprise some people in whether they make the team or some guys that may surprise us and may are on that verge of possibly getting cut?
2: Well, I think, you know, we're just talking about running back, and I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out because it's a numbers game at this point, right? I mean, it, it, p- some people have brought up Preston Ebert. I'm not I'm not remotely – to me, he's not even a consideration at this point. I yeah. mean, they've got four guys that are very clearly better than him. Uh, but I think when you're looking at the running back room as a whole, I mean, you're talking about you've you got to add a fullback into that. You know, Sakari Blossom game is going to be on the team and then let's just say you keep, you know, 3 out of those 4 guys. That's four, you know, that's four guys right there. And if you want to keep a, you know, a fourth, then all of a sudden you're talking five uh five guys on the roster that are going to be, you know, basically put at running back or fullback, whatever you want to call it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that whole roster crunch happens because usually most teams carry 3 to 4 running backs including a fullback. So mm-hmm. are they really going to keep five guys and and that's going to be one of those where Again, we just talked about Deontay Foreman and, and uh, Roshan Johnson. So what happens if Roshan Johnson comes out in the preseason and impresses, and all of a sudden it's going to be a one-two punch of, you know, Roshan Johnson and, uh, and, and Khalil Herbert? What do you do at that point? What do you do with Foreman? It's like Foreman doesn't have a ton of guaranteed money on that one-year deal. I mean, and that's kind of one of those things. Or do you simply say, okay, we want to keep him and, and, and let Travis Homer go, even though you signed him to a two-year deal and guaranteed him about a million dollars? I think that's where a surprise could come just because I don't know how they're going to be able to formulate the roster crunch. Um yeah. You know, receivers kind of another one. I, I, you know, I, I just, there are a lot of, there are a lot of interesting roster battles, but I don't know that there's going to be a lot of like crazy surprises. I think if anything, I mean, again, with the bears having, you know, having had the number one overall pick last year, the nice thing is even though they traded that they're going to be first on the waiver wire through the first three weeks of the season. So, okay. You know, all those training camps, cuts that you see, all that stuff. And again, we just talked about the money aspect of it. They have the most money, you know, they have the most cast space in the league. So I don't know that there's going to be a ton of surprises in terms of roster decisions on on current guys that they have. What I will say is, is I would not be shocked at all if they stay very active through probably the first week or two of the season kind of turning out the bottom of the roster. We've already seen it. I mean, we've seen three guys get cut over the last two days. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is going to be a big focus for them where, you know, again, when you're looking at teams that are contending for playoff spots every year, obviously you, you have to have a bunch of plus starters. You have to have some star players, the blue chip talent players, but you also have to have really good depth. And that's something yeah. that we saw even in 2018 with the Bears. Like you have to have guys that can come in and step up and play roles for you throughout the season when injuries happen.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think that it's, it's a very underrated importance part of the NFL. And I think that's why a lot of people hate the preseason, and I get it because it doesn't mean anything, and it's all of it, everyone's like, well, it's too long, and it needs to be cut to this. And I totally get that, but for depth purpo- purposes, that's when you really find out what you have on your team and who's worth keeping. And for them, those roster decisions are important. There's a there's only a certain number you can keep, and so they have to be very strategical when it comes to that. And I, I think it's also just interesting because the the Bears were so beat up last season too, and that almost all over. The 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 all over the roster because we saw obviously it hit the secondary it was hitting Jack Sanborn got hurt at, you know shortly after he kind of took over Roquan spot we are seeing a lot of offensive line injuries we saw receiver injuries uh, so it would also be nice to not see as many injuries this season so hopefully that's something. Uh, that we kind of look into, but Aaron, I wanted to say thanks so much for hopping on with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's going to be an interesting season for sure, but right now, I guess we can just enjoy camp because it it is some some good feelings going around.
2: Oh, thank God! Yeah, I'm just glad football's <laughs> back, especially since baseball's been so horrible. It's just like I am—I'm ready.
1: <laughs> Me too. All right, Aaron. Well, again, that's Aaron Lemming. He is the writer for the Bears for 24/7 Sports and Windy City Gridiron. You can find him at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter. Uh, Aaron, have a great rest of your week, and I'm sure we'll chat more as camp goes on. Thanks again to Aaron Lemming. Uh, that was super fun, obviously. You can find him on Twitter. He has great stuff out there. He also, me and him had a conversation before the podcast started of, you know, what we could possibly do for the defensive line. We both were kind of not for the Yannick Ngakwe Uh, deal, not because like obviously adding someone to your roster that has nine and a half sacks is going to be better than what you had last season. Our concern is the money that Jan is asking for such a one-dimensional guy Uh, and I've said it on Twitter, I've said it on other podcasts, that's kind of my reasoning. So if a Justin Houston thing, to me, that is just ideal. He's way better against the run. He had the same amount of sacks as Yannick Ngakwe last season and he wasn't even starting. He, He played in, I think he played in 14 or 15 games but he only started technically in one. He was used a lot in rotation and so he was able to do that in a lesser number of snaps and I don't think he's going to be as expensive as what Jan is but I don't know Aaron just said that he thinks their numbers may be around the same that's why they haven't signed with anybody yet um, it'll be interesting either way most of the other position groups are improved I would say we're expecting Justin Fields to take an, a, another step up so that's an improvement to me the running back group is going to be improved. Uh, I personally, I personally believe that. I don't know. Like he said, we're not going to see one guy have like 120, 130 yards consistently during the throughout the season and games. But I do think between the three of them and Justin, our run game is going to be just as dangerous as last season, especially if the line continues to do what they did in run blocking last season and Cole commit um, I do think the offensive line is going to be improved. I do still think the defensive line we will see is going to be a little little better than what we saw last season but it's still a major concern for me the linebacker group definitely a lot better Um, I think it's as Aaron said also one of the best uh, on paper and I do think that will transfer onto the football field one of the better in the NFL and I think our secondary is right there with them I really do think that the secondary can be one of the top also so it's going to be that when you look at it in that light there's a lot of improvements across the roster from top to bottom. Uh, you just have to hope that they all transfer out onto the field and everything really clicks and everyone stays healthy uh, because I feel like it's, it's our turn. It's our turn to enjoy this a little bit. Uh, it's been a long time that I, I think we've been able to thoroughly enjoy our entire team rather than just the defense or rather than just a certain player on the offense. Uh, so it'll be really fun. Anyways, that is a, another episode of Making Monsters. I will be back probably next week with some more camp updates, working on getting some interviews. Uh, so maybe some outside perspectives of what camp looks like and what the Bears look like. But it'll be fun. And then before you know it, we're a few weeks away now from uh, from the preseason games and from there to go. But again, that is Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl, and I will catch you guys next time.